0: horror critic
1: good evening horror fans and welcome to another episode of killer horror critic i'm your host matt
2: and i'm chris
1: And this is a podcast where my wife and I critique and argue over horror films, like a couple of drunks at the bar. So maybe never learn anything, maybe we never enlighten you, maybe we never leave nice shiny presents beneath your knowledge tree. (laughs) Uh, But hopefully you just have a good time listening. So, you know what today is, Chris?
2: No, what's today?
1: Garbage day! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, we are obviously talking about... The 1987 okay. film *Silent Night, Deadly Night* Part Two. I apologize for all of the Eric Freeman impressions I'm going to do tonight because <laughs> it's so fucking hilarious. He's
2: amazing.
1: It's it's something. He's amazing. It's something. Um. We'll fight you. But uh, but yeah, so we are continuing our discussion on the *Silent Night, Deadly Night* franchise with Part Two tonight. Uh, So this was directed by Lee Harry, who did one other feature after this called Street Soldiers. I have not seen it, believe it or not. It was written by Harry and Joseph H. Earl, who this was his only credit. (laughs) I don't say this to belittle either of them, but I'm also not surprised.
2: (laughs) Is this franchise a career killer?
1: Uh, For many, yes. Um, (laughs) And it's basically, for those who haven't seen it, a... Continuation of the first film in which Ricky, Billy's brother, you know, Billy, the killer Santa Claus from the first film, uh, Ricky is now an immense institution for having gone crazy himself and killed people, and uh, he's basically being interviewed by a doctor, psychologist, whatever, and we get about 35 minutes of footage from the first film <laughs> as we flash back again and again to the first movie and then we get a little bit of ricky and his past and things that happen in the present. so i'm trying not to <laughs> spoil it i don't even really know how much you can spoil it in this movie you can't but, really
2: spoil it
1: uh but we will be getting into sports territory in a little bit i'll let you know when that's going to happen so if you have not seen the film Uh, I do believe it is streaming on Shudder. I think you can also find it on Tubi. So check it out there. But that being said, we do have our spoiler free content before we get into all the spoilers. So as usual, uh, releases for this week, we've got a few that are kind of interesting, two that I really enjoyed one, not so much. Um, Uh, first up is a film called "Hail to the Deadites." Uh, so this and these will all be out by the time you're listening to this. This is on Shutter. This is basically a documentary which follows uh, deadheads, fans of the Evil Dead franchise, and just kind of explores like you know the fan base and what we love about the franchise, and, and and you know just kind of intercuts that with interviews with like Bruce Campbell. And I I don't quite remember if Sam Raimi makes an appearance in this. I believe he does, but I'm not sure. Uh, but it's just a really fun, heartwarming documentary. So like, if Aww. you, if <laughs> so like, if you are a fan of this franchise, I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I recommend it today, and I've already gotten a few responses of people who went and watched it and thanked me for having seen it because nice. it's just that good, right? Yeah. So, so it, it is one of those where like, from beginning to end, I just had a huge smile on my face because it is just all about you know us dorks and what we love about Evil Dead so much, and and it's just really nice to like kind of go through to different fans and sort of see like what the franchise means to them you know so they end up following a lot of people who have some really cool evil dead merch and have like whole rooms dedicated to this stuff and
2: so you're super jealous
1: yes i would i would one day (laughs) like a room dedicated specifically to a nightmare on elm street and werewolves or whatever but we'll get there so (laughs) one day one day um but so yeah, so that's on Shudder. Great documentary. Definitely recommend checking it out. It's not one of those where I think it's gonna blow your mind with you know behind the scenes information of Evil Dead that you've never heard before. But it is just a really charming, you know, just kind of sweet, nice documentary. Nice. So, so that's on Shutter. Another film that is on Shudder this week is Death Valley. This is basically about a group of soldiers who go into an underground lab to rescue someone I, I, it's it's all very vague uh, to go in there to rescue someone and discover that there are monsters in the lab now it sounds a lot cooler than it is um, this is this is the one that was a huge letdown for me uh, I, I do like the talent behind it you know the the monster the creature actor is Matthew Ninever who also did uh, psycho Gorman and played psycho Gorman in that which I really love. And I, I believe he directed the film as well. So it, it's it's just, it's, just, it's just very <laughs> underwhelming. It's one of those movies that, to me, it felt like, maybe some of you know what I'm talking about. It felt like um, early 90s sci-fi channel
3: Aww. monster movie,
1: right? So, So that's not exactly an insult because I yeah. love a lot of those, you know, just those really campy, just bad <laughs> B-budget monster <laughs> movies, right? the problem with this is i think it was trying to be a little bit cooler and scarier <laughs> than it actually is you know so so i i don't know that it's necessarily having fun with the concept the way that it could uh but the creatures are great so if you just want good monsters for 90 minutes there's some good monster footage in this for about 12 minutes so <laughs> uh, so it might be worth it for that alone but um, but yeah, just, just go in expecting that this is more of like a, I'm bored Sunday afternoon kind of watch in my yeah. opinions.
2: <laughs> Put it on while you're folding laundry.
1: Yeah, okay, sure. Okay. Something like that. Uh, or getting drunk. That would be, that would be my, my way to see it. Um, but all right, so that's on Shudder. And then lastly, there's a film called Agnes, and this is on VOD And it's from uh, director Mickey Reese, who recently did the film Climate of the Hunter, which maybe some of you have seen. So Agnes is basically a play on the exorcism subgenre, and essentially it follows, uh, you know, kind of one of those washed-up priests who's under some investigations for, like, possible child stuff, you Ah! know, (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and he is kind of in in a sense like punished by the church by being sent to go investigate this possible possession right mm-hmm. and well there you know and he's and what he's sent to is a a nunnery and it's one of the nuns who is supposedly possessed and then to say more I feel like would spoil it so I will just leave it at this just to prepare you for like what you're getting into so it's sort of a spoiler but not really but the first half of the film is like a possession horror comedy okay <laughs> okay just very weird kind of silly and over the top and sort of fun and then the second half becomes like this sort of like intimate existential crisis kind of drama Jesus. <laughs> and, and and it, it just kind of it almost takes like a completely different tone and oddly enough i feel like i really love the second part of it when it becomes <laughs> an almost completely different movie and, and, and but both halves are both halves are great. It's just one of those movies where, like, I'm not sure everyone's going to be able to make the tonal jump for it to, you know, work for them because it is such two tales of different halves. Right. So
2: <laughs> this sounds like the type of movie where I would love the first half and then you love the second half.
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, I, it is a film that I really enjoyed, but again, if you've seen Mickey Reese's work, you know that you're in for something very unique and different and definitely not for everybody. So just don't go in expecting your average possession horror movie. This is something completely different, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, but I do recommend checking out for the experience just to see if it's something for you. But anyway, so that's on VOD and that's our releases for the week. So one other thing we like to do is every week on Twitter, at Killer Critics, uh, we like to put up a poll, just kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film and what you think of it. So between love it, it's fine, don't like it, and never seen it, where do you think the audience falls on? Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2.
2: I mean, I feel like this is another, like, cult classic. So I feel like this is another love it just because of the over-the-top performance.
1: Swing and a miss. What? <laughs> Uh, so why don't
2: people love this movie? You were close.
1: You were close. So so love it got thirty three percent. It's fine. Won with thirty six percent.
2: It's
3: fine. <laughs>
2: don't
1: like it is thirteen percent, and never seen it is eighteen percent. So so I I will say I will say this. I I love it, but we're and we're going to talk about it uh, over the next few minutes. But I love it, but after. <laughs> My love for it comes from <laughs> watching the movie by itself, right? Yeah. After having done the original Silent Night, Deadly Night last week uh-huh. and having just watched that film three or four times to then move into <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 and watch this about three or four times in the last few days, mm-hmm. um, I will say it drastically tested my love of this movie. Really? <laughs> because, because Well, beca- only because it is... You can't watch it back to back. You cannot. It it is the kind of sequel where you cannot watch it after the first one. You just can't. (laughs) You just can't. Unless unless you want to be sitting through 45 minutes of what you just watched. (laughs) You just can't do it. And so that kind of, like, lowered my bar on it a little bit because I've never really watched them all back-to-back like this, right? So,
2: But Ricky's amazing.
1: Ricky is amazing. It's not about Ricky. (laughs) It's not about Garbage Day.
2: (laughs) Everything is about Garbage Day. It's just
1: about the fact that, like, look, as a film on its own, it stands very well. As a sequel...
2: It's a dumpster fire. It's a
1: dumpster fire. (laughs) But but I do really enjoy it. I I love just how bad the film is. It is truly one of those... (laughs) you know, polished turds, you could say. <laughs> so we also like to get a few comments from you all about the film and what you think of it. So these are all from Twitter. Uh, if you'd like to skip over these, we, this usually runs about 10 minutes, just like give you a heads up so you can skip over if you want. But uh, first up is at Tyranno rabbit. So that's, by the way, Chris is giving you eyes of like, I love that. That's tag. an amazing <laughs> tag. Uh, so that is T Y R A N N. O-R-A-B-B-I-T, and they say it's basically got all the good parts of the first movie without the boring parts, plus its own crazy-ass good parts, so it adds up to a better movie that's unassailable arithmetic.
2: <laughs> See? This person gets it. They d- get it. <laughs> no, I'm
1: not... You don't understand. I'm not disagreeing with that.
2: <laughs> I know. It's just I, fun to, that, fun to that mess is, with you.
1: Look, look, what they said there, That that is why I love this movie, yeah. because... I do truly believe that, look, you know, I, I, think, I think that, like I said last week, I think that the first film is a great movie. Yes. And I think that it is the better made movie. Absolutely. Without question. <laughs> without yep. question. It is actually a scary, good slasher, right? But like Tyrannorabbit Rabbit says, <laughs> <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 is almost all the best stuff from the first film, Plus this completely bat shit stuff shot for the second movie. Yep. And therefore it's kind of the better experience on its own.
2: <laughs> yeah. I agree with that. Like, look, the nice thing about silent night, deadly night part two is the fact that you don't have to have watched the first part. Oh yeah. I fucking love this movie.
1: Yeah. Um, so anyway, thank you at Tyranor Rabbit for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is at narcotic casser one. So that's, N-A-R-C-O-T-I-C-C-A-S-S-E-R And on the number one And they say Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 Is train wreck filmmaking at its finest This was destined for disaster The second the producer said Cut in bits of the first movie But then you throw in Eric Freeman His forced laughter And his glorious flapping eyebrows And you've got an <laughs> internet legend
2: <laughs> Flapping eyebrows By the way, fun fact <laughs>
1: According to IMDb trivia, so you know it's got to be true, Eric Freeman's eyebrows move up and down 130 times in this movie. Who
3: the fuck counted?
1: (laughs) Listen, people are so obsessed with Freeman's eyebrows that it does not surprise me that someone actually went out there and said, You know what? I wonder how many times those fucking caterpillars... Move up like a fucking comic book character in this film.
2: (laughs) I don't think I even noticed his eyebrows.
1: Are you shitting me?
2: No. His
1: eyebrows are the most noticeable thing about him.
2: (laughs) I mean, for me, it's just the tone in which he says everything. He is like a comic book character, and I love him. None of his lines feel like something an actual human being would say.
1: Oh, no, no. I mean, look, this is the genius of Eric Freeman is that... He's basically like an alien trying to play a human. Like yes. that's that's what the performance feels like. It's like half half alien, half I don't, he might be a robot. robot partially, right? Like, but there's no human in there. No, it's 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 one hundred percent android. You know, I forget who. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't remember who it is. But it, I posted up pictures of Silent Night, Deadly Night two the other day, and someone commented on the fact that he. Uh, Looks just like the scene in the Terminator in one shot where the Terminator is like peeling his face (laughs) off in the mirror. And I got to say, I 100% agree. Like, it would not surprise me if Eric Freeman slash Ricky was an android. He
2: absolutely (laughs) is. He tells us in the movie he doesn't sleep.
1: Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I don't sleep. Just the way he says it. I oh, man, it's going to be so hard to get through. This film's so ridiculous.
2: I want him to be my friend.
1: Uh, we all do. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so, no, yeah, no, I completely agree with Narcotic Caster 1 here. It, It, it is train wreck filmmaking at its finest. The beautiful thing about Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 is it's not exactly a movie where they made it. You know, it's not intentionally awful. No, <laughs> it's, you know, those are the best it, ones. Exactly, like they tried, they did try it's and, so hard, <laughs> and and you can tell that there was real passion there in giving <laughs> us the best goddamn killer Santa Claus sequel that they could. But you know, this was um the little train that fucking got super <laughs> high and doped up and crashed. And everybody died. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, so, so no, yeah, but, but I agree. This is why we love this movie, right? Especially because of Eric Freeman's eyebrows.
2: (laughs) I guess I have to watch it again.
1: Yes, you do. (laughs) Um, So anyway, thank you at Narcotic Caster 1 for the comment. Appreciate it. Next up is at Dommy in LA. So that's D-O-M-M-Y-I-N-L-A. And they say, usually you want to see part one before two. Not in this case. Part two is part one and two literally rolled into one movie. Why watch two movies when you could watch one in half the time?
2: <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong.
1: It's science, Chris. <laughs> it's
2: science. This is math. Yeah. I. It's weird. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I mean, you watch one because it's actually a good film.
1: Uh, You you just sat here for like five minutes arguing with me about why part two is so much better. And now you're going to argue with Dami here about what?
2: Here's the thing. I think that you should watch both films. But I think to your point earlier, you should not watch them back to back.
1: Oh, God, no. No. No, yeah. The terrible idea. Look, this is a kill two birds with one stone kind of movie. Mm -hmm. And so if you're ever just sitting down and you are a person who likes part one and two, mm-hmm. uh, two is kind of, I think, the go-to choice.
2: Yes, <laughs> obviously. Oh, my God. It's like one of those packs at Target you can get where they have like four movies all on like one DVD, only it's all in one movie. Uh, you have no idea what I'm <laughs> talking about, dude. No, I know what
1: you're talking about. It's just an odd comparison. But yes, sure. <laughs> it's, it's got everything. Um, but anyway, thank you at Dami in LA for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, Next up is a comment from at Schwieg writes, hopefully I said that okay, so that's S-C-H-W-E-I-G-W-R-I-T-E-S, and they say, For some, it's The Room. For others, it's Troll (laughs) 2. Those are fun, but my favorite bad movie, or movie to give the MST3K treatment to, ever is Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. Eric Freeman's performance, which goes to 11 on every line with emphasis on eyebrow acting, is something to behold.
2: I have to agree, like, when it comes to, like, terrible movie that I would love to see in the theater with, like, other people, this I think would be one of my go-to ones. Like the room's fine, whatever. Trolls 2, I guess maybe I haven't seen enough times to like. I don't think much. you've
1: seen Troll 2 enough times. I don't think it's so. It's the same. It's the same as this. It's amazing. It it's can't so bad. be.
2: Eric <laughs> Friedman's too good.
1: You haven't seen Troll 2, then you might not have seen Troll 2. I feel like I have. You would love Troll 2. You would not be talking bad <laughs> about Troll 2 in this moment. if I'm not talking bad Troll about 2. Troll 2.
2: I'm just saying that this is better.
1: You haven't seen Troll Two. <laughs>
3: oh, fuck you,
1: I'll oh, you. you? Um, uh, go, s- everyone, go see Troll Two. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, again, this this is one of those just masterpieces of garbage, right? That like you just, you know, it, like 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 okay. So one of my favorite films is Alien, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I consider Alien to be one of those movies where just everything. Was firing uh, like all, all cylinders were firing. Everything went in fell into the right place. Right, uh-huh. just one of those like happens once in a lifetime kind of movies. Mm-hmm. B- magic bottled. Right, um, that's Alien. Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Two is one of those films that is the exact opposite where yeah, every cylinder where, is broken where every cylinder is broken it's just really <laughs> fucked up it, the maintenance guy hasn't worked on them god knows when you know it's like one of those elevators where you step in and it says that it hasn't had maintenance since like 1942 <laughs> and you're kind of like why am i writing this That <laughs> I, I feel like that should be a thing that's looked at uh that silent night deadly night part two And then the elevator breaks, and, you know, you only fall one story, but it's a really exciting wild ride the whole way down.
2: (laughs) Here's the thing I'll say in defense of it, though. It's really hard to make a movie that's this bad and this fun. So that takes a weird amount of talent.
1: Oh, no, it really does. It it takes a weird amount of of talent, lack of talent, fucking up, (laughs) doing things right somehow, you know, it just it's it's just it's a miracle of a movie for its own reasons right so and i also want to add you know i feel that speaking of eric freeman's eyebrows you know i feel that look we we talk about all these performances that were looked over for oscars you know tony colletti and hereditary maybe florence Pugh and midsummer uh eric freeman's eyebrows i think (laughs) might be the most overlooked performance of all time like Those eyebrows have a complete mind of their own. They're acting their hearts out.
2: (laughs) Would it be for best lead in a comedic role?
1: I don't care. Best actor. (laughs) Best actor, all right? Those eyebrows were doing things that some actors can't do with pages and pages of dialogue, all right? (laughs) Those Those eyebrows were brilliant, and they deserve every bit of recognition that the Academy can give uh so so that that is my vote for all-time overlooked performance <laughs> really got a hard <laughs> on for film. those eyebrows i love them <laughs> so <laughs> uh i might have to divorce you for them so <laughs> uh so anyway thank you at swig right to the comment really appreciate it and then last comment is from sc scanlan so that's sc sc and they say watching it immediately after the first makes it a boring retread but on its own, I enjoy it. So like we've been saying, you know, completely agree with yeah. SC S- Scanlon there. It's you cannot watch the movies back to back. I know we keep saying this, but, I, you know, for anyone who's maybe catching up on the podcast or whatever, like, please, for the love of God, don't watch these movies back to back if you can help. it.
2: <laughs> Take that weak breather.
1: Right. Take a breather if you can. Yep. <laughs> give yourself some time before you come back to this one or the first one or whatever, whatever episode you're on. Give it a breather between these two. But so anyway, thank you at SC Scanlon for the comment. Appreciate it. So one last thing we would like to do before we get into the spoilers is the tagline versus the film and what we think of it overall. So the tagline for Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 was the nightmare is about to begin again. <laughs> That's not a very good Eric Freeman, but I'm going to be doing that all night. So just warning you.
2: <laughs> That's just be Eric Freeman.
1: The nightmare is about well, no, I'm trying. Is that Schwarzenegger? (laughs) No, that's not even close to Schwarzenegger. That, but that was worse. So why don't you just go ahead and comment on this, Chris? Before I keep trying to be Eric Freeman,
2: (laughs) I might be a little incapacitated right now. I uh am. what a fucking tagline! Look, I feel a like terrible it's, tagline. <laughs> it's a terrible tagline for a terrible film. Let's be honest; it doesn't matter because I love this movie. Like it's a dumpster fire. We've said that. The only complaint I have about this film is I want more Ricky time.
1: Everybody wants more Ricky. Yes. You don't watch this movie and go, "I want less of Eric Freeman." No, you, you want only more want more Eric of Eric Freeman. Freeman. Yes. You want all the Eric Freeman. You want every ounce of that muscly robotic monster of a man (laughs) (laughs) you want every piece of him (laughs) yes yeah so no I mean look as far as the tagline goes I I was given the credit I was giving credit to the film earlier for their passion and all that but the marketing team not so much the marketing team clearly was just like I don't fucking care they're on
2: autopilot
1: I don't fucking care it's uh, we're doing this again again you know like (laughs) the tagline can fuck off but as far as the movie goes, uh, I, I've already talked enough about how much I love this, and that's just going to be the next hour of this. So uh, so what I will say is for those who are, are maybe listening and haven't seen the film before and are asking themselves the question of why, in dear God, would you make a film that is just 35 to f- – I, I forgot exactly what the amount is, but like 35 to 45 minutes of the original movie – with a few added scenes. Like, why why in God's name would you make that sequel, uh, this, this clip show movie episode, or whatever you want to call this? <laughs> and so, from what I understand from the situation, this is my understanding of it, is that the producers of the original film basically wanted to make a cut of the original that would include a few additional scenes and include this character who was in a mental institution and basically kind of imply that everything that happens in Silent Night, Deadly Night was just the ravings of a lunatic. Now, I don't know... What? Now, I I don't know why that would even be a consideration, like, why you would want to ruin the original that way with a few additional cuts for this, like, producer's cut of the film. I have no idea why, because it would be so much worse to just have it end where it's like... And this was all my crazy killer Santa story, you know, like This nobodys really stupid nobody wants that no. right so so I don't know why it started that way, but but they tabbed Lee Harry, who directed this film uh to do this recut and do these and add these a couple additional scenes, right, and basically him and and the other writers ended up coming with so, coming up with so, enough material of the backstory of Ricky and all this kind of stuff where they felt, you know what we could actually. We actually have enough here to maybe make a sequel, but we don't have enough to make a full feature. So we're just going to throw in a bunch of footage from the original <laughs> to to make up the extra time. And and look, it's more complicated than that. I'm giving you like the clip notes version of this, right? Uh but but that's essentially how this came to be. It was a complete accident. <laughs> a complete accident where it seems like partway through they were just like you know, fuck it. Well, let's do a sequel.
2: That, that, you know what? That feels about right.
1: Yeah, no. That that absolutely feels like what happened <laughs> with this. Uh, and I mean, this movie, as far as I understand, was shot in like 10 days. Holy th- shit.
2: Well, I, no, that makes sense.
1: Well, it makes perfect sense when you consider that there's only like 30 minutes of new footage for this, right? Yeah, and there's like no <laughs> sense. And or... and most of it occurs in one room. So it's like... <laughs> but I, But anyways, hopefully that clears that up for some of you. Or it made it more confusing. I don't know. But so we're going to... We're going to move into spoiler territory now with Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. So again, if you have not seen it, please go do so. I, again, I believe it's streaming on Tubi and Shudder. You can check it out there. I'm definitely sure on Shudder. But anyway, so moving to spoiler territory. You know, let's talk about that. Like, the flashbacks. <laughs> you know, you, you're you sort of fresher to this film. Uh-huh. How do you approach it, it with all the flashbacks? Like, how how does having so many flashbacks in this affect it for you? And why, and why do you think they're there other than the obvious, you know? <laughs>
2: you know, it. I have to admit, the flashbacks bum me out a lot because I think Ricky is such an interesting, dynamic character that I really wanted to spend more time with him. Like, I get, you know what, I do kind of understand why they're there because it is kind of showcasing, you know, Ricky and what his trauma was and how deeply he was attached to Billy, his older brother, and how that affected things. Hmm. Like, I get, I get putting them in there for, like, that reason, but they put so much in. Like, so many bits that, like, there's no fucking way that Ricky would know about any of that stuff happening. Like, he's not going to know what happened at his brother's job to set him off. Uh
1: I'm glad you mentioned that, because that leads into my bizarre theory for this film. Oh, yay! I love is, Matt's
2: bizarre theories.
1: Uh, now, now look, all of you who listen to me, I, I feel like I have to ma- make a disclaimer for every episode now. But, like, all of you who <laughs> listen to me know that I just like wild theories, and I don't really, you know... Uh, there's a big part of me that doesn't actually believe this, right? But I think it's fun to consider, is yeah. that... Uh so so I guess when I look at this like look we know the real reason right the real reason all the flashbacks are there is cuz of what I was just talking about and mm. just the complete mess of a movie that this was during development and production and all that right so so that that's the real reason but I think what's maybe fun to consider when watching this is to think you're absolutely right you know Ricky could not know all of this the yeah. the way that it's presented and and when you can cons- and when you think about it, you know consider that what we're watching with the flashbacks this is what Ricky is telling the therapist Dr. Henry Bloom played by James Newman, you know so when you when you think about that and then you consider the extremely specific detail of every instance,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know you have to think like. I doubt I, I, I doubt that Billy ever really told Ricky every inch of detail from this story, right? No. Because because Billy himself was so traumatized that I doubt that he talked about it very much. So
2: Well and also once Billy starts his rampage, he just starts rampaging until he gets murdered. He doesn't have a lot of time to like, as he's dying, go Ricky.
3: Well,
1: Let right. me <laughs>
2: tell you
3: my tale. Well,
1: right. He, he never, <laughs> right. he never stopped by to have just a, a chat by the fireside with Ricky, <laughs> you know, while they're eating s'mores about all the people that he killed. That 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 never happened. Mm-hmm. So That's why so, Ricky's
2: fucked up. No s'mores.
1: Indeed. So so you know, for Ricky to have all of this collection of detail that he's presenting to Dr. Henry Bloom and us the audience, if you look at it that way. Then part of me starts to wonder, because this movie is this movie's bonkers enough that I think anything goes, especially when you're starting to, to get into the sequels, mm-hmm. where Ricky is, somewhat spoiler, a fucking zombie in the third <laughs> film. It <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, is Ricky, isn't it?
1: It is Ricky. Uh, when you start thinking about all that, you know, I, and, and, this, and this, again, is looking at the film in its own box and not considering the sequels, right,
3: mm-hmm.
1: is you just have to wonder is Ricky possessed by Billy? <laughs> you know, like, like, is Ricky actually possessed by his brother? And that's why he is now this maniacal killer who seems to embody the exact personality of Billy with all of his punish and, <laughs> you know, and, and naughty. Like, you know, he basically becomes Billy when you look at the trajectory of the movie. And from the first film to this, he mm-hmm. becomes Billy. And for him to have all of his intimate knowledge of every little bit that Billy saw, part of me just wonders you know, hey, Ricky didn't kill anybody until he was a teenager. You yeah. know? Maybe he got possessed by Billy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> a late <laughs> and stage it- possession?
1: Well, well, this sort of idea of like Billy is in him and he's mm-hmm. just not in control until a later part in his life, mm-hmm. you know? So that sort of idea of like, I don't know. I just think it's fun to consider. What if Bi- what if Ricky's possessed by Billy?
2: I, I think that that's a fun and interesting theory. But I'm going to say youngest sibling to youngest sibling. I am. Um, no, fuck. He's just doing what every younger sibling does.
1: He never once written as Billy in his life go naughty punish (laughs) he never (laughs) saw Billy do that so and and again every intimate detail he knows everything he was a baby at the time (laughs) an infant I I don't remember anything from before I was like three years old to be
2: fair with that Billy could have told him some of that bit Billy could have told him about like the event that killed their parents
1: look he could have but you get what I'm saying right yeah he's basically the same guy He's basically he's the same person. He's flashier. No,
2: he's
3: not. Yes, he is. (laughs) How is he flashier?
2: (laughs) Because Billy's just like walking around. Billy's mainly silent, except for every once in a while when he says like one sentence. Whereas like Ricky is like wandering around full of swag, doesn't give a shit, just shooting people. Look,
1: I I mean, Ricky's obviously more over the top about it. I'm just I'm just trying as
2: younger siblings do,
1: or as a dead ghost would, like Freddy (laughs) Krueger. Maybe Freddy wasn't always so one linery you know? So
2: you're saying Billy got more flamboyant after death.
1: Yes, because at that point, he's just like, fuck it. I don't care. I'm already dead. I'm going to be as fucking weird as possible. Kill someone with an umbrella? Fine, (laughs) you know? So anyway, so that's my theory on the flashbacks. Uh, I mean, you know, looking at the flashbacks realistically, no, you know, again... The film by itself is great with that because I do think that you get the best parts of both movies. Mm-hmm. Watching back-to-back, back, though, no. Terrible yep. idea. Terrible for there to be so much. <laughs> I can't stand it watching these movies back-to-back. Back. But, well, so, so, okay. I feel like I need to explain part of this further. Okay. <laughs> so let's think about it this way. So you've got this doctor, Henry Bloom,
3: mm-hmm.
1: who, you know... He, he, He's basically, he's kind of there, I think, to represent the uh, sort of running theme through the first two movies, which is that, you know, all of our institutions fail. Like, the first film is all about how, you know, the nunnery and the police, in a sense, fail, right? Mm-hmm. And in this film, I think it's a lot about how the uh, the healthcare system fails, mm-hmm. you know, mentally ill people, because cause the doctor isn't really there to help. We all get that right away. No, he doesn't he's, give a fuck
2: about Ricky. <laughs>
1: He's bored. He's making comments about how valuable his time is and and you know, we see him like just kinda acting like he's not really in the Ricky story or anything. And so so we get the we get the impression that he he is really just there to get some new things out of Ricky to write some book and become famous or whatever the yeah. hell whatever the hell doctors do, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, but he's there for those reasons. He's not there to help Ricky, you know? No. So, so, so fundamentally like that's kind of what he's there for and what that's representing. But what I kind of like, like, again, talking about the flashbacks and Ricky's sort of, you know, storytelling is that if you can, again, if you look at it in terms of like, you know, how much can we really trust him? Cause you gotta, oh, he's he,
2: horribly untrustworthy.
1: All right, so you gotta understand like we're we're basically listening to an unreliable narrator, you know yeah because cause it's not it's not a sane person <laughs> giving <laughs> us the flashbacks. it's Ricky mm-hmm. very very uh ill <laughs> individual <laughs> right and and so so you know it's on one hand it's it's incredible that he somehow remembers every detail of what happened in the original, but on the other hand when you start looking at his own backstory, you have to start asking yourself there, too, how much of that is actually real? hmm You know? And so so I almost start to feel with it like, you know, again, kind of talking about this sort of possession theme or, or just how the film plays with the audience, is that uh, I sort of start to look at it like, maybe none of that happened that way. Maybe nothing <laughs> that Ricky actually tells us really happened that way. Yeah? Maybe, maybe he's possessed and it's Billy just... You know, giving a fib, like just, you know, <laughs> giving a fib, spin, <laughs> spinning a yarn. <laughs> now, who's the um, old person? Yeah, I'm trying to be right now. Fuck off. <laughs> um, so. So, you know, like maybe it's him just kind of doing that or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe Billy just has these made up memories that he's gotten from Billy or or Ricky. I mean, so
2: I mean, to your point with the whole possession thing, like if we look at when Ricky starts killing, he is set off by the same thing that Billy is. It's a girl getting, you know, molested who is basically putting the brakes on, you know, fooling around with some dude and then he forces her, rips her shirt open. She slaps him. Um, only in this case, he kind of like wanders off and Ricky gets to run him over with a car. So Indeed. like to your possession, I could kind of understand that like maybe Ricky's kind of been fighting, you know, his inner Billy or what have you. Like, and then that moment, that very pivotal moment that happened to Billy happens to Ricky. And so he basically just like loses control and Billy takes over. So mm. that that's me going with your theme. Having said that, I still think that Ricky's his own dude. For the sole reason that his triggers are vastly different, um, well,
1: they're not though.
2: But they are.
1: They're no, they're not. <laughs>
2: Billy is Billy's triggered by Christmas and Santa. Mm. Ricky is triggered by the color red and nuns. Well, different traumas. Well, okay.
1: First of all, the color red is directly related to Santa, so it's not but exactly different. But it's not different.
2: Santa. There's no Santa that triggers Ricky ever.
1: True. I'm not. I'm not saying you're wrong there, but but I'm just saying that they both share similarities in what triggers them, you know? Uh, The color red in Santa, Mm -hmm. uh, nuns, and Mother Superior, you know? (laughs) Like, clearly, like, we we never actually see Billy triggered by a nun, necessarily. Mm -hmm. But clearly, Billy has a thing (laughs) for not liking nuns, right? Yeah. Uh, Because of Mother Superior, which is, again, directly related to Ricky, who hates Mother Superior as well, which Mm -hmm. also ties into why I feel like he could be Billy, you know, in- <laughs> internally, because he also has this, like, drive to kill Mother Superior the mm-hmm. exact same way that Billy did. Now, I get it. Look, for obvious reasons, right? Ricky isn't exactly a fan of hers either. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that they both share that drive, which is really interesting. Um but you're right, look, they it is a little bit different,, uh, which is kind of fun about it is that it does take different approaches mm-hmm. to what exactly sets them off, you know, and, and Ricky's a lot different because Ricky uh, Ricky sort of has his his moment where, yeah, we see him affected by the nuns initially. That's what sets him off. like his his hatred is greater for the church than it is Christmas. Yes, <laughs> which is really interesting. You know, especially when you consider like this is a Christmas slasher franchise, and that's what Billy was all about. <laughs> so, <laughs>
2: is this one Christmas though? Because this one, like number two, we see next to no Christmas imagery. Well,
1: well this one's very vaguely Christmas, right? It's almost like <laughs> I, I hope there's this, no snow. Yeah, no, and, and and you know we understand too, or, or at least it's implied that that Ricky was raised by a Jewish couple, so mm-hmm. it makes sense that like you know, Christmas isn't exactly as much of a thing for him. He never really had to deal with it. But you can also look at it, like, because he never had to deal with it, it's only when he's an adult and begins kind of, you know, getting out from under the rug of his family and experiencing the real world that, mm-hmm. you know, something like Christmas or all of the naughty things <laughs> <laughs> of of the world start to come into his life, right? And that's when he really starts snaps. to break down again and snaps and becomes a killer. So. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I am going to get back to the possession thing in a second, but uh, on Ricky himself, you know, something that is fascinating about Ricky, too, is that uh, I almost feel like even though Silent Night Deadly Night Part 2 isn't as much involved in Christmas as the original, it is still very involved religiously when you consider that, you know, again, Mother Superior is the main target, and it's the nuns that are sending him off, and this is... This is not a stronger commentary on the church in the first film, Mm -hmm. but it is still kind of directly aimed at it. And I almost start to wonder, like, you know, Ricky himself, which I think is cool, is almost like a force of nature in this movie. He he, he himself is almost kind of like a biblical (laughs) sort of force. And the reason I say that is that you have two instances of just kind of coincidental, like, universe sort of things playing out right where you've mm-hmm. got the doctor who specifically mentions that or, or, or I think I think it's Ricky who says he's seen 13 therapists or something yeah and Dr.
2: Bloom is the 13th
1: yeah and, and Dr. Bloom specifically says oh 13 my lucky number right mm-hmm. well that's clearly a sort of like supernatural universe kind of thing going on there because, as we all know, 13 is an unlucky number.
2: <laughs> and it was unlucky for Dr. Bloom, too.
1: And it was unlucky for Dr. Bloom, but it was also his number, you yep. know? <laughs> and and so so there's that kind of playing into it. And then Mother Superior lives at 666.
2: Yeah, you know? that's fucking weird.
1: Like like dead on, dead on uh, symbolism there with her being the devil, right? She
2: is the devil. Or,
1: or her being evil. And so, you know, you can almost sort of look at this because Billy... Well, Billy does kill innocent people. I'm going to keep getting them mixed up. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Ricky does kill innocent people, but you can almost sort of look at him as like an arbiter of justice in a sense or like this biblical force that... Punish it, you know. The church is all about punishing people for stupid shit. Yep. Right. So, so maybe, maybe the guy just taking out his garbage (laughs) deserved it. I don't know. Because it's not
2: garbage day yet.
1: (laughs) Well, Bill, well, Ricky said it was garbage day. It's human (laughs) garbage day. He was very clear to say, garbage day, you know, (laughs) like a fucking Muppet. So he, (laughs) uh, so it was definitely garbage day. But no, what I'm getting at is that. You know, there there are all these sort of supernatural forces that play into it that aren't present in the first film, mm-hmm. uh, that sort of make it almost all start to seem like destiny. Like he has actually become like a hand of God, so to speak, <laughs> you know? <laughs> As fucked up as that sounds.
2: (laughs) I I like it, though. I like Hand of God just going out and, like, smiting people. And I feel like that kind of works because I am, you know, the same as Billy. He lets the small child go. He lets the one innocent person, like, truly innocent person, you Mm. know, go free. Even though she has a red bow, which I think is pretty pretty symbolic because like the entire time as Ricky's going on his rampage it's red red keeps setting him off everybody he kills is wearing red or there's a red car or there's something red that's like setting him off throughout the entire thing which is still why I think he's just a vengeful younger brother
1: okay well I I have a comment on the red thing but I just first want to say like you know just finishing up what I'm saying here is that Mm -hmm. Is that you know something that's so interesting about the Silent Night Deadly Night franchise, at least for these first two films, because that changes in the third one. But for the first two films, there's no final girl. No, you know, and and, and you got and you <laughs> everyone <are>, dies. <laughs> and you gotta understand the the original film. You know, I think it came out in what 1984. So like mm-hmm. the the tropes were well established. You know the, the idea. I I don't recall if we had named it yet as the final girl, right, or, or called it that, but. But the tropes have been well established. We we had been having final girls for a long time <laughs> before mm-hmm. Silent Night Deadly Night came out, so it kind of subverts the uh, the usual slasher tropes by not having that, and instead replacing it with a villain in Mother Superior. Mm-hmm. You know, because these first two films are all about Ricky and Billy wanting to you know get vengeance on Mother Superior. Yeah, and both films are so heavily kind of anti church and anti religion. That, you know, that's very intentional. Like, the villain is supposed to be her, and it's supposed to be, you know, about sort of the evil and corruption of the church, which is why I kind of like looking at, you know, especially Ricky as, like, this hand of justice, right?
2: Mm-hmm. So is Mother Superior, like, a reverse final girl Well, she's, like, the epitome of evil, but she can't be taken down? Because she no. survives both of them, right? No, she
1: do- are you? Did you not watch part two with me <laughs> three times no, her fucking head gets chopped off, Chris.
2: Yes, it does.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm gonna blame it that you're drunk, although you have not had enough <laughs> to drink to be that way. But <laughs> I just but,
2: figured that scaly bitch made it out.
1: No, so, so no, I, I not necessarily that I see her as the reverse. I mean, she is the opposite, I guess, but more so that I think it's interesting how both films, in a weird sense, kind of look at Billy and Ricky like an antihero. <laughs> yes. Which is, you know, which is very wrong to say because they're they're killing so many people who don't deserve it.
2: <laughs> hey, it's, but, it's fine. And,
1: and they're so evil, but but you know, there's so, there's a sympathetic angle to it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, more for Billy, less for Ricky, but there's still a sympathetic angle to both. I mean, in Ricky, you know, the film's trying to humanize him by having him have this whole love affair with this girl Jennifer, played by Elizabeth Kitan, who, by the way. I just want to really quickly throw out there and I'll stop rambling to let Chris talk for a second. Um, (laughs) I just really want to quickly throw out there, you know, Elizabeth Catan is, I I think, super overlooked uh, within horror. Not, not because her performances specifically are like amazing, you know, like, no, she's not Jamie Lee Curtis or, or, you know, uh, Nev Campbell or or Heather Lane camp. No, she's not uh, as good as that, but she is, but, you know, she she is a big part of the horror genre, I think, where there was there was like a solid period where Elizabeth Catan was just in horror film after horror film, you know, where she did uh, Friday 13th, part seven. She Necro- in Friday. Yeah, she's in Friday 13th, part seven. Uh, Necromancer. This film, obviously, a film called Nightwish. Like she she is a genre actress, you know, and so I anyway, I just think she's kind of overlooked and, and I think she has a fun performance in this. But what the hell are we saying? Um <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, since we're talking about her, can I just say how much I love Jennifer and I'm kind of like bummed about her fate in this film? Just because, like, look, Jennifer would have been the perfect girl for Ricky. Because look, their first their meat cute, their meat cute is her hitting when Hitting him with a goddamn car and then laughing about it. Hey, according
1: to Ricky, it was just a gentle tap. They just ran into each other.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He got knocked on his goddamn ass. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's it's a little bit of a bummer for me because they were so close to potentially being like a Chucky Tiffany couple, and I think they could have been there. They were never. What are you talking about? They could have
1: been. They were never close to being a Chucky Tiffany couple. She hit him. She's. (laughs) That makes her a murderer?
2: I think that, that makes, makes... her
1: a murdering psychopath that she accidentally <laughs> hit somebody on a motorcycle? I
2: feel like when you laugh about almost killing someone, it makes you a little unhinged.
1: No, first she ran out be- to check that he was okay, and then when she saw that he hadn't been decapitated, <laughs> she was like, okay, I'm going to laugh because this is super uncomfortable because I just hit <laughs> you, and I hope you don't sue me. <laughs> and no. I want, I want to appear to... You know, I want you to like me so that you don't sue my now, ass off. I,
2: I think if Ricky had gone gone with a slightly tamer kill for the first time that he killed in front of her, they would have been fine. She yeah. would have been there with him.
1: I do think it's funny that Ricky was absolutely ready to murder her, and then it's like, oh, she's cute. I guess I'll let her live <laughs> this <got> time. She <laughs> had legs
2: for days. You're not yeah. going to kill a girl he, that beautiful.
1: He wasn't in a punishing mood <laughs> that day. <laughs>
2: um, no. Cause Later, she, though.
1: Because she maybe deserved it. But look, so, so look... This is an interesting... Okay, so Jennifer's fascinating, too, because this also goes along with what I'm trying to say about Ricky's unreliable narrator <laughs> Um And I'm sorry, all. I'm super buzzed. Uh, And so this... uh, You were talking about red. I, this is what I wanted to mention about the red colors, is mm-hmm. that... So, again, another thing that is not coincidence, you know? So Ooh. recall that I was talking earlier about how you know, the original concept for this was to be a few additional scenes to the first film uh, implying that the first film never happened, right? And it was just the ravings of a madman. Mm -hmm. So when you look at this, there are two ways to look at it. One is that it did happen and that Ricky's just very obsessed with the color red Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, you know that there's no way that, red was present like this for every one of these instances. You know, They totally
2: could. Every, Red's a common color.
1: Every single car that he encounters is red. There's a lot of
2: red cars out there.
1: Everything is red in this movie, Chris. Okay. Everything. So...
2: Both of so, those dudes are look, douchebags even, and would have look, red cars. Look,
1: even the doctor takes a moment to write down, red car? Mm, good <laughs> point, Doc, you know? So, like, look, that 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 that's that's played comedically and you Mm -hmm. can play it like oh the doctor's not actually listening to him but i actually think that's the one moment that he is listening to ricky because writing down the red car i think implies that this is all made up Mm -hmm. ricky doesn't remember the details right well (laughs) ricky ricky is ricky is either uh getting his memory mixed up or it never happened Mm -hmm. or he's conflating details you know because you know, so if if you just think like okay, red is a color that he's obsessed with, whether because of Santa Claus or blood or both or whatever, um, it starts to give you the impression that you know you can question everything he's telling us mm-hmm. because because uh, things that are not facts that were not act- actual details at the time. Are making their way into his story, like mm-hmm. this color red and the red car appearing over and over and over again, you know, which gets to Jennifer, which mm-hmm. is I think, I don't think Ricky ever had a relationship with Jennifer. <laughs> I think I think that that part's all made up too. For all we know, he Gen- just
2: walked up to Chip, murdered him, and then murdered Jennifer.
1: Well, not that necessarily. For all we know, Jennifer was a girl that Ricky liked or or was obsessed with, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe the moment that he found out that, you know, she's a fucking adult and has <laughs> slept with somebody before, you know, maybe he decided, well, they're naughty now and I'm going to kill them. Mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, Ricky is so unstable and so not there mm-hmm. <laughs> that it's hard to imagine that he had any successful relationship for a brief period of time because he's a fucking psychopath so so you know you just and and maybe he wants love but you know that's why he's telling this story like Mm maybe maybe he he is upset that he killed jennifer because maybe she was someone he actually had interest in and liked and his urges got the hold of him you know Mm -hmm. but all i'm saying is like once you once you start to factor in the red car and you know his too specific memory of the first film and all this kind of stuff you know it just starts to feel like i can't trust anything you're saying. And it's very likely that none of this ever happened. I mean, for God's sakes, you killed somebody with an umbrella. (laughs) Who actually thinks that he killed him with an umbrella? I do.
2: I believe in Ricky.
1: I don't even know if you could do that.
2: <laughs> oh no, I mean Jason does shit like that all the time.
1: That's Jason. That's not fucking Ricky. <laughs> That's
2: true. Here's here's the thing that I find interesting is I think to your point about whether how much of the story he's telling is true or not comes back to that moment with the doctor writing down the red car because the first two murders that Ricky you know admits to, Doctor Bloom says there's no record of. There's no record of anywhere so that kind of plays into your theory that who knows what's real or not having said that dr bloom having the handkerchief with the red like his red initial on it for me that's the one piece in reality in the piece of reality we can actually trust that kind of lends to you know Ricky's trauma and what sets him off, and mm. I feel like that's the piece that makes you question how much is really real or not real, because we have a concrete piece of evidence that tells us like this is a thing that legitimately will cause Ricky to kill people.
1: Well, no, but 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 I think that works to the point, right? Is that like you know may, maybe Ricky's been noticing this red handkerchief since the very beginning of the story, and as but he's that's tell- the
2: first time we pulled it out.
1: Well, I don't know. I'm just, (laughs) I I don't, I don't think that the handkerchief makes it real. I Mm -hmm. think that that's further evidence that it's not real Mm. because it's, it's, it's furthering the idea that Ricky is triggered by the color red and something that he thinks about all the time, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think it's just working its way into every memory he has because, Look at it this way. Uh, all of Ricky's memories from being a kid mm-hmm. are of, like, you know, Santa being shot. Because <laughs> yeah. a- as the first film showed us, Ricky and all of the other children at the orphanage witnessed not one, but two Santas two shot Santas. to death yep. in a matter of, like, 30 minutes, right? And so, Ricky
2: was front row for
1: both. And he was front row for both, and I think he even got some blood splatter on him. And one of them was his brother. So, yep. so you know, so red clearly is a color that has an effect on him. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, I don't think that... That implies that it's real I think that that implies that it is all just kind of like fucked up you know memories and false memories and you know him making things up and just you know just the very thought of red and like all these sort of ideas that it puts into his brain right Mm -hmm. you know so that that's where I'm gonna I, I the fact that red runs so consistently through every memory that he's talking about and then seeing the red handkerchief that the doctor has leads to him killing him. Mm-hmm. It just, I, I think that that just is evidence that none of it's real.
2: Okay. Right. So <laughs> the, that backs up why we're seeing. You know, Ricky watching Silent Night in the movie theaters.
1: Well, yeah. So, I mean, that gets to like the meta aspect of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Which, again, I, I I don't know that it's intentional. I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not sure anything. Nothing's in this intentional
2: film. in this film. <laughs> we take from it what we want, like pirates.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure anything that we're talking about is like in, intentional, right? Mm-hmm. I I don't know. Maybe the red car was spo- just supposed to be a joke. I have no idea. <laughs> but but no. So I mean, that gets to the other part. That furthers my point is that. You know i don't know that it's some that it's supposed to be like uh a, a weird reference to the first movie mm-hmm. that it, like for the reality of ricky you know that he's like watching his memories on screen <laughs> i don't think that that's supposed to be that and mm-hmm. they probably just use it because that was the footage that they had you know for the movie <laughs> which by the way i think this is one of the funniest moments of the film is when he is sitting there in the theater with jennifer and he's like, so what's this movie about again? And she's like, oh, it's about a killer Santa Claus. And he's like, what? Like, just, just Freeman's reaction is so perfect. Yep. Um, But yeah, no, it's showing flashes of the robbery from the first movie. And so, you know, that again, I think is like, look, obviously, like, realistically, it's probably a budget thing. And that's why they use that clip.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But in the universe of the film, I like to look at it like, you know, that's just that's Ricky's. All of his different realities kind of colliding you know so mm-hmm. like he's he's telling he's telling this sort of fake memory maybe and then it's getting convoluted with things that actually happened in his life and you know just just really kind of showing just like how all this stuff is just mixed up in his brain right yeah uh, all the wires are crossed he I, I think it's gotten to a point that Ricky doesn't himself really know what's real and what's not you know. <laughs> Like he could very well be telling us all these memories, and they never happened, but he believes them. Yeah, you know, like I'm sure he killed people, and that's why he's there. That's obviously, oh, yeah, obviously. that's obviously why the doctor's there. But I'm just saying like, you know, this whole memory with Jennifer and all that kind of stuff. We don't really know that that ever happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so
2: I weirdly saw it as like Ricky not necessarily is struggling with, but like by the time we get to the movie theater, he's killed two people at that point he's killed like the the wannabe rapist and then the the lone shark in the alley with the umbrella which is amazing i kind of view it as him being like finally confronting himself about like oh i'm going down the same path that my older brother did how do i feel about that which is his trepidation about like watching that movie and right. then those fucking assholes in the movie theater just yelling and ribbing the entire time he's just like yeah nope Older brother was right. Gotta kill people. People fucking suck. And that's why, like, by the end of that movie theater scene, he's just like, no, I want to stay. I think I'm starting to like this movie. And then his path was set. He was going to murder everybody.
1: Well, duh. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, no. It, I, I, I don't know. I just think that, like, you know, I, I love the phrase, like, the theater of the mind, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's perfect that that's kind of where... Ricky's seen like, past memories of what actually traumatized uh, his brother initially and ultimately him, you know, is mm-hmm. is, is this horrible incident with this fucking <laughs> killer Santa Claus. And so, you know, so it's like, like, naughty. That was very naughty. um, You know, so he, you know, just look at the garbage day scene for, you know, with mm-hmm. what I'm talking about here with the red stuff. I'm really focused on the red now. Is yep. Is that scene alone? The the X of Jennifer's car is red. Yep. The car that he explodes that's just randomly driving down the street is red. Yep. Uh, which, by the way, um, watch that scene closely next time you watch that movie. Uh, because this was done in the days without CGI. So that's an actual car stunt, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it makes me flinch every single time I watch the stunt person, the stand-in for Ricky there. Almost get hit by the red car as it's going off the ramp and then explodes. Because that person also flinches because they didn't expect the car to be that close. And it freaks me out every time.
2: Yep. <laughs> it is a very close call.
1: Low budget filmmaking. The wonders of movie making, everyone. It's um, lucky
2: no one died.
1: It is life or death, believe it or not. Um, So, <laughs> so, so no, yeah. It, there's just so much. There's too much red. There's too much red for it to be real.
2: <laughs> so much red in the world, though. You don't even notice. Don't
1: even notice, Chris. You cannot (laughs) walk. I bet we live in L. A. Where if I go outside right now, there are forty cars parked on the sidewalk. I bet you maybe find two red cars in all of those forty. Okay. So you cannot tell me. Enough, but this is eighties. Maybe there are more
2: red cars in the eighties. You cannot tell me that
1: this suburban white ass neighborhood, every single fucking person drives a red car. It's full (laughs) of
2: rich assholes like Chip, who all feel the need to prove themselves, So, so they all have red cars. No, Red They're doesn't flashy honor-
3: assholes.
1: I, uh, flashy I'm not, assholes. I'm not even going to go there. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I mean, look, okay, one last thing I want to mention, because you did mention this and we didn't talk about it, is the the first kill for Ricky. Yeah. I also think is fascinating because uh, it, it directly does the opposite, really, of Billy's sort of first murder, right? Which mm-hmm. is that, you know, Billy ends up catching this girl that he's interested in uh, getting uh, – He's Near not
2: interested the- in her. He just happens upon them.
1: Bullshit. He's he-
2: wandering in the woods after his dad's death.
1: You're not even listening to me. Okay. You're not even listening to I'll me. I'll listen now. Billy. <laughs> oh. Billy. Oh, Billy. yeah. The girl that he was interested <laughs> in uh-huh. in the shop. Uh he he's clearly interested in her. She ends up getting, you know, almost raped by the guy that she works with. And that causes him to kill that guy. But then she's like, Billy, you're a psychopath. And he kills her, you know, cause she's being fucking naughty and you got to put people in their place when they're naughty. <laughs> um, but, but Ricky, you know, Ricky sees the same thing happening. Mm-hmm. Guy, you know, being really aggressive with his girlfriend, Ricky goes and kills that guy with his fucking red truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, uh, you know, cause he's being naughty and he's got to punish him. Yep. Um, but then the girl says, thank you.
2: Fuck yeah, thank you.
1: <laughs> you know, and th- this is a moment that I love in this movie because she says, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, and-, and I love that. Like, you know, in the first film, be- because, because I, think it- I think it just is more directly like, yeah, fuck that guy who yeah! was trying to rape you. He deserved to die. <laughs> fuck yes,
2: he did. It bugs but, me so much in the first one.
1: But then it also explains why Ricky, I think, has an affinity for women. Like, why Why Ricky actually, I think, wants maybe a normal life with women, mm-hmm. you know, or, or just a normal life, whatever, but also involving women, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh Why I think that he's maybe, uh, you know, maybe likes women more because he really doesn't kill a lot of women in this film, you know? No. Other than Mother Superior, who he fucking hates, yeah. uh, and Jennifer because, you know, she was naughty, but...
2: Also, Jennifer's wearing nun clothes. I'm just saying.
1: So there you go. Um, But... But I, I like to think that it's specifically because of that moment, because the woman thanked him. Yes. <laughs> and from that point on, I think he had this mindset of, like, I can have a normal life,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but it
1: needs to be with someone who understands why I'm punishing, right? Yeah.
2: So. I, think, I think he feels justified that he did the right thing, and he's good. That's why, like, he doesn't go on a spree after that. You know, the next time he's punishing someone, it's a lone shark... Beating the shit out of a dude in an alley, he's punishing a naughty person again. You know, it isn't really until Chip's death where he's going through the same thing that Billy went through, where he he kills someone who's being an asshat, and the girl that he's interested in freaks the fuck out, and he goes, "Well, now it's murder spree time."
1: Right. So, so it's really fucked up, but in in such a weird way, mm-hmm. that scene is so positive. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so so last time I'll say this because uh, we got to start wrapping up soon. But, you know, again, if you look at both movies one last time, they are they are commentaries on the failings of our systems in society, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, they're dumb, fun slasher movies. Yes, I get that Silent Night, Deadly Night Part <laughs> 2 is not the most revolutionary, innovative uh, uh You know, brilliant commentary on the world out there, right? But ultimately, these two films are about the failing of institutions and how they fail people who need help, you know? And it's this weirdly positive moment where I don't think it justifies murder, but it's a moment that. Why Why are you shrugging like, ah, eh, it kind of justifies murder? No, it doesn't. Yeah,
3: fuck that guy. I hate that guy.
1: No, yeah, <laughs> he, yeah, that guy sucks and he deserves to die, but that's not the point. Yeah. It, it's, not, it's not a moment to justify murder in general. It's a moment to kind of say, like, forget the murder part. It's just somebody actually understanding Ricky for a moment. Yes. <laughs> you know? And, and it's, so it's just, like, in a weird way, like, he just murdered somebody, but it's such a, like, nice, touching moment because it's, like, this is probably the only time in Ricky's life ever that someone has actually been like I get it. <laughs>
2: yeah, who's seen him for who he is in his heart of hearts and accepts him for it.
1: Right. So it's a it's a moment of like saying like look, I I know I know you have issues, but you're okay. It, yeah. doesn't ma- it doesn't make you evil on its own, right? So, exactly. So weirdly positive message to take out of that one scene in this fuck up, <laughs> <laughs> in this fucking wacky movie, right? So, so anyway, we do have to start wrapping up. So, who is your killer death of Silent Night Deadly Night Part Two? Uh,
2: look, that's probably Chip getting electrocuted by the car because I think that's pretty fucking punish.
1: Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> punish Chip, he did. <laughs>
2: Are you Yoda?
1: I guess so. He kind of, you know, Ricky sort of reminds me of Yoda a little bit. Um. In his no, delivery. because
2: Ricky's badass, and Yoda's a weird little swamp goblin. Fuck
1: you. Yoda rules.
2: Yoda's Fuck an annoying up. little what? swamp rat. Get out of...
1: <laughs> God damn it. We're getting a divorce after this. Um- <laughs> I'm not saying I don't
2: like Yoda, but Ricky's better.
1: No, you just called Yoda a little dork. Um- <laughs> he is a
2: little dork. He's hiding a fucking swamp.
1: I'm getting the papers tomorrow. Get a divorce. Uh, all right, so... <laughs> I mean, come on, my, my killer death is Garbage Day.
2: <laughs> You're just saying that because it's hilarious to hear him say Garbage Day. It's
1: the most iconic f- moment of the movie. <laughs> it's an iconic
2: moment, but it's a shit death.
1: No, He it's just not a, shoots him. No, it's not a shit death if you look at the, the whole moment as a whole. You can't just look at the gun. You have to look at the whole moment. And the whole moment is a fucking poor bastard <laughs> taking his trash out to the street and he just happens to be there right as Ricky is rampaging through the neighborhood like fucking mini king kong <laughs> and is just and is for no reason whatsoever just like garbage day and shoots the guy he didn't do anything naughty. Maybe the garb maybe the trash is being taken out a day late. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't justify his death. So no, it's the whole moment. It's fucking hilarious, Chris. It is a great moment. That's that is the best death. Now, now, okay. <laughs> as far as actual kills go, sure, the boyfriend's great. His eyes explode.
2: <laughs> He's not. They're exes. They broke
3: up.
1: Same difference. So <gasps> it's <laughs> fuck you. But no, yeah, no. It's it's garbage day, and and look. <laughs> Uh you know for me I just part of the reason I love Silent Night Deadly Night Part 2 is it's the only film out there that celebrates our well recognized holiday of garbage day.
2: <laughs> <laughs> is it a celebration no if he movie, gets murdered? No other
1: movie celebrates garbage day.
2: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Only Silent Night, Deli Night Part 2. <laughs> the only holiday film around Garbage Day to ever touch on that specific holiday. What about your killer idiots of Silent <laughs> Night, Daily Night Part 2?
2: So for me, um, weirdly, that's Jennifer for wearing a nun oh outfit. God.
1: Why? Why is it Jennifer? Because she wanted to dress conservatively one time, Chris? Are you that sexist that women have... Women like Jennifer just have to be dressed like sluts all the time.
2: (laughs) Wow, you're taking this to a weird level. (laughs) No, it's, look, it's a minor thing. How dare she
1: button up her shirt.
2: (laughs) She doesn't have a button up shirt. It's just she's wearing black and white and it kind of looks like a nun outfit. She's guaranteeing her death. She's guaranteeing her death, whether she likes it or not. Also, she's a gorgeous girl.
1: Just another thing women got to mark off their list. Can't wear black or white anymore.
2: No, just don't fuck wear a nun outfit by your boyfriend who's triggered by nuns. She doesn't
1: fucking know that.
2: <laughs> how do you know? They could have shared. They've had sex. Is, Maybe he's told her his trauma.
1: This is why she's not my killer idiot. How, how the fuck would she know that he's triggered by nuns? <laughs> you think
2: he's- I I'm still disappointed, Jennifer. They could have been so good together. But she has to get, you know, nerves about him exploding some guy's eyes with his goddamn car battery.
1: Yeah, how dare she not be into that? <laughs> <laughs> No, my killer idiot's the doctor. Because what the fuck is Henry... Why do doctors in horror films always, without fail, go into these private interviews with killers, and they for some reason tell the person who's there to be like some sort of you know, watchdog or security guard, like, oh, no, we're good. Get out. You know, because like, motherfucker, he you're just, you just asking to die at that point. <laughs> you know, I mean, for God's sakes, have you looked at Ricky? Eric Freeman is a mini gorilla. All right. Like, he, <laughs> and, he and he has no handcuffs, like, and you, and and he says, you are a pencil neck fucking doctor. Like, you're not, <laughs> if he decides he wants you dead, you're dead, man. Like, why would you dismiss the guard? <laughs> you know so it just he's my idiot I, I, every yeah. time I see one of these films I'm like that's the that's the most idiotic person in the entire movie
2: they have weird god complexes that think that they're invaluable to getting murdered by their patients and their patients love to murder them
1: white people man it's all it's always <laughs> it's always white men too that it play. is and they're always white balding men for a lot of times because you know? so they
2: I, they have a lot to so compensate I, so I, yeah for. i
1: wonder if it's like an overcompensation thing uh no offense to ball man i'm just saying it's there's a running theme here um, but all right and lastly so what about your killer mvp of uh, silent identity part two and i swear to god if you say anything about what it other than what it should be you're signing those divorce <laughs> papers tonight.
2: <laughs> God, this makes me so tempted to say something ridiculous now. You know what? Fuck it. It's the makeup artist who did Mother Superior's fucked up face.
1: You're an asshole. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you brought it on yourself by challenging me. Obviously. All right. It's- you want to explain
1: why the <laughs> shitty makeup job is your best? Is the best part of this movie?
2: <laughs> I fucking you, hate that wanna, makeup you wanna, so much. You want to
1: explain the audience? Make yourself look like a fool. <laughs>
2: To be fair, you made me look like a fool by challenging me.
1: (laughs) No, go for it. Why is that the best part of the movie?
2: (laughs) I don't have a reason. No, obviously it's Eric Freeman. Obviously. Because Ricky is amazing. (laughs) We should have had an entire movie of Ricky that would have been so much better. And it's a bummer that we missed out on that. Also, I still have to point out, Mother Superior's face is so fucked up. What happened to her? What What happened in her lifetime that caused her face to turn to stone?
1: I mean, she does look like a character straight out of Game of Thrones with, like, the the stone face-like right. disease, There, right? there is like, no
2: human reason why her face should look like that. Like, I, it doesn't I look mean, like burns.
1: I mean, they, they mentioned that she had a stroke, but a stroke doesn't make you look like a fucking uh, golem, you no. know? No! So.
2: My grandpa had a stroke. I know what it looks like, and it doesn't look like that crater-faced fuck-all.
1: I'm so sorry <laughs> to all the crater face people out there. <laughs> like, this is you know I mean? this
2: is not an indictment of that, but she is like, I get you're changing actresses and you want to like mess the face. Well, I, mean, so that, that uh, I th-
1: mean, that was the real reason is look, they change actresses, you know, so they had to, they had to cover up that it wasn't the mother superior from the first. Give film, her but,
2: burn scars. That's a very realistic. She could have been in a fire.
1: You know, burn scars are hard to do though. They probably and weird stone
2: face is easy.
1: I don't know. I really can't explain it. Um,
2: Sorry, I needed to go on this tirade.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. So uh, so you mentioned Eric Freeman. Obviously, that's mine, too. It, you know, the, the thing with Eric Freeman is uh, something I didn't mention before, which I found interesting, is that as far as I understand, uh, part of the reason his performance is the way that it is, is mm-hmm. there was a lot of arguing on set, I think, of, like, how Ricky should be portrayed, You know, so so there was there was a tug of war between ideas of like either we play Ricky as this like cold calculating killer or we play Ricky as a over the top one liner akin to Freddy Krueger. Right. (laughs) So so Eric Freeman himself, I think, was kind of being told two different ways to portray the character. And so this is kind of like the mixed pot of what the fuck that we got. (laughs) Uh but but no, yeah, I mean really my killer MVP is Eric Freeman's eyebrows. Again. Of course. I, again, I mean those 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 living caterpillars should have each won an Oscar. <laughs> uh I, I I don't know what acting school they went to. Clearly it was superior to everything out there. Uh they must have an incredible teacher. I don't know who. Um but they <laughs> but they, they deserve to take home that award for all of the expressing <laughs> that they do. Um, <laughs> I
2: want to see. Has he been in any other films?
1: He's been in other stuff. Uh, a lot of TV, I think. Uh, nothing, nothing as iconic <laughs> as Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Two. Boo!
2: I want more Eric Friedman.
1: Yeah, you can find you can find him. He's got some good. He's got some credits to his name. Um, again, nothing that you know is on this level. But, <laughs> 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 uh, but anyways, so that is gonna do it for us on Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Two. So, I don't know, hopefully that was worthwhile. Um <laughs> next week we are going to be discussing Silent Night Deadly Night part 3, Won't. which involves again Ricky coming back. I think as a zombie. I want to say he's a zombie. He's he he has like a weird a weird plastic thing on his head where you can see his brain, so he's That's got, true. so he's very Frankenstein if not a zombie. <laughs> uh but but he's played by Bill Moseley, which is Aww. really cool. What are you saying off for? Okay,
2: okay, yay for Bill Mosley. I um, want Eric <laughs> Freeman. <laughs>
1: uh, we all do, but it's Bill Mosley and Bill Mosley's is great. So Yes he is. So that's part three. So anyway, so that that is streaming on Shudder and I believe Tubi as well, so you can check it out there, do your homework. Otherwise, hope everyone's having a great December so far. Uh and that you're getting through this, you know, the last bit of this really fucking weird kind of shit year. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and yes, we'll see you next week. So I'm Matt, and
2: I'm Chris, and
1: have a great night, horror fans. Bye. Don't be naughty.
0: <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Killer From Space, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore Horror underscore Critic new episodes release every friday so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way i like them have a good night horror fans